Welcome to Between the Lines, a podcast by the Timothy Project. Tune in to an intriguing, mind-stimulating podcast where your mind-boggling questions in the Bible are analyzed. Simply breaking down mysteries in the Bible, precept upon precept in the scriptures until we see Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. So hi there, disciple of God. Are you ready for the climax of the gospel series? Because I know that I am excited about it. It's been a lovely ride. We started with what the gospel is, and then we went to the hope of the prophets, and then the royal seed of David. And there's no better way of crowning this series than with the king of kings himself. And we're doing that in the blog post entitled, The Son of God in Power. And I'm sure at this time, the angels are just giving me fans. So if you've been blessed so far with the gospel series, kindly share this experience and share the blog post itself as, as well as this podcast. Beth Mon and so too, are you ready for the last bit in the gospel series? Very yeah, much so. Woohoo! Seems like it's come, it's come to an end so quickly. Right, right. And you've learned a whole lot. So too, can I see your shouting? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> uh, it's Ooh. been an interesting one. Yeah. 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 And I'm glad that we are we're climaxing it this way. All right. I know that from, from the from the very onset of Christianity, the the question who is Jesus has been ringing through. And just like Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say I am? I feel like this answer is, is just like Jesus said. The answer is the rock upon which he will build his church. The answer is the actual bedrock of our faith. And that's what this post seeks to answer. Who is Jesus? But once us to start this thing. We know that Jesus Christ had to die because it was God's remedy for what has gone wrong with us and with our world. We discussed this in the first podcast in the gospel series. So do check it out. So Jesus had to die granted but the jewish leaders at that time did not know that so what was the exact reason or what was the exact case they had against jesus why did they want to crucify him why did they yell crucify him crucify him who wants to start that so to bethmon any takers okay I'll, ta- I'll take this okay so um the main charge there religious leaders had against jesus was that of blasphemy right because they felt that what jesus was doing or saying was impugning the holiness and the character of god because in the jewish mind god is holy and when we say holy we 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 mean that god is so different he's infinitely other when we put god and we put humanity side by side, there is not a case for comparison, right? And that is how they saw God. So for Jesus to come and make all those claims, for instance, Jesus claims to be the son of God, right? And for the Jewish mind or the Middle Eastern mind, when you say you are the son of somebody, it's not just, oh, this is my father. There is a more philosophical approach to the question or to the statement, because to be to be the son of someone means that you are from the you are of the same essence, right? Because a man okay. gives birth, a human being gives birth to a human being, so you have the same mm-hmm. essence. So for Jesus to claim that he is the son of God, he is laying claim to deity because God is divine, and for them. It was an anathema, an abomination, right? And that is one of the main cases the Jewish people had with Jesus. And that is why several times they sought to stone him. For instance, if you read um, uh, John chapter 5, 17 to 18, they actually came out boldly. But Jesus answered them and said, my father worked, hitherto I work. And therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because not only had he broken the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. So that is how they understood things. And that is why they sought to to stone him. Okay. So it was not just plainly saying, I'm I'm a son of God, the same way we say today. 
we sing it in our songs and it doesn't cause a lot of uproar but with no, jesus no, no, no. you see for for us the the we've we've repeated it for several time uh, several times now that the word or the phrase has lost its essence but to mm. say today that we are children of god is to make that statement the way jesus said because when we get born again there is a part of god that is placed in us by virtue of the holy spirit right god's spirit dwells in us so we also lay claim to a certain part of god right that's what uh, peter says that we are partakers of the divine nature right but we we have sort of we sort of tend to read it in a very relaxed manner but for a jewish mind an ancient middle eastern mind they took it with all the seriousness that it came with because they saw themselves as we are servants of god how are you coming all of a sudden and coming to claim sonship to god meanwhile you are mm-hmm. human just like us mm-hmm. so would it be the same as someone in this current generation coming to say that they are god would it be almost uh, the same because I'm trying to I'm trying to get the the rage or the reason for their rage. Because, like you said, right now it's quite watered down to say that you're a child of God, you know. Mm-hmm. But almost like certain prophets saying that they are angels or they are they are they're actually not human, they're actually angels. I'm saying would <laughs> saying that you yeah, are staring some waters over there. <laughs> please, there's no water I'm staring that I've not mentioned in exact words. <laughs> so all of that is assumptions, please. I'm not I'm not talking about those. But I'm saying, would would will we get the same picture if we think about it that Jesus Christ was basically saying that he was God, or someone saying in this current generation that i am god i am the same i'm of the same essence as god i think i think the difference between somebody saying it today and how what jesus said was that jesus had the 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 jesus could back up his statement right so he wasn't just saying anything at all there was he backed it up right in in our case when you say you are a child of god what evidence do what when you say a child of god that's true but you can't like jesus make the next step and the leap to say that i am god ours ends that i am a child of god jesus is not just the son of god he is god and he has the claim to back it up he has the evidence to back up his claim yes i'm trying to get us to feel the kind of rage that the jewish leaders felt and that's what i'm asking and basically in this day if you hear that someone in kumasi or not Kumasi, Kumasi is a big town. Jesus was from Bethlehem, which was a small town. Someone from, uh, I don't know, Elembele. Yeah, exactly. Coming to say that he is God, you know, and that you should follow him. I'm guessing that type of rage you have towards him in this day is probably how the Jewish leaders saw Jesus Christ. And that's why they wanted him crucified. What do we think? I I think I think so too, but I think that um, that particular rage we will feel uh, would be multiplied a thousand times over uh, compared to what the Jewish people were would feel about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is indeed uh, equivalent of somebody coming on, on onto the world stage today and claiming to be God, right? Knowing mm-hmm. all that we know from the scriptures and um, how we are to expect to see God and how we have his Holy Spirit in our hearts who identifies with us that we are his children and, and so we can by him we can cry out Abba Father. Somebody coming to make such a claim would be very outrageous to a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. And it, it will be heretical, in fact, uh, for someone to make such a claim. Um, so yes, it, it, um, if, if you want to sort of equate um, the kind of feelings it will garner or generate in our time. I think making such a statement in our time, unequivocally saying that you are God, uh, mm-hmm. would also generate such 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 fury or such wrath. Yeah. Uh, but because just I, to, just to add, just to add a little bit to what Bethmond said earlier mm-hmm. about the motivation behind uh, what the Jewish people did. Um, to Christ or Jesus Christ. Um, 
if you read John chapter 11 from the verse um, 43, the Bible makes us to understand there. But uh, let me just permit me to just read. It says, so I'm reading from 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What, what are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but was a high priest that year. He prophesied, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and not only for the Jewish nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So you see here that even though the motivations behind the, 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 the Jews at the time and, and the powers that be at the time was somewhat politically motivated, it did not discredit the gravity of Jesus' statement that he was God. And so yeah. once, once, once they, they, they sort of got with uh, false witnesses to, to back up that claim, even though they tried to get Jesus to, to utter those words himself when he was being, was, he stood trial before them, um, Jesus uttered not a word, but they got false witnesses to come and testify that Jesus had said so and so and so, right? But once they established that, that fact, that indeed Jesus Christ, by his statement, had claimed to be God, and once they could label that him a blasphemer, they had enough, uh, enough reason to crucify him. And so even though we see that their initial motivations were, were not necessarily because Jesus had blasphemed, but rather for, 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 their, for their own preservation, Right, they okay. sought to kill them. Um, that that that's that's notwithstanding, Jesus's claim to be God was very grave and held so much intensity, so much that it was deserving of death in their law. I hope you understand hmm. me. This is just yes. another nuanced, um, uh, how do you call it, uh, approach to looking at it. Um, yes, hmm. Jesus Christ was crucified because mainly because he blasphemed. Uh, there, there was a claim that he had blasphemed that he was God. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the human aspect of it, you realize that the, the, the people at the time were moved because of mostly political reasons to get yeah. a man up in the picture. Yeah. So it yeah. was both religious and political. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And both still accomplished God's purpose. That was lovely for me. That's very interesting because, you know, in the passage that I just read, he says that Caiaphas, when he said that we, it is better for one man to die for the nation than for the whole nation to perish, he did not say this out of his own will. But mm -hmm. as high priest that year, he was prophesying. You understand? So yeah. it's interesting how God is able to, no matter how twisted our motivations are and no matter how, how evil our intentions are sometimes, God is able to still turn everything around for his purposes. It's very, very mm -hmm. interesting the way God operates in that in that in that aspect. The lesson yeah. in there, I think, is very is very poignant because in on one hand, it tells us that even a corrupt high priest is can still be used by God. But on the other hand, it tells us that being used by God does not mean that God approves of you. Exactly. 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 That's all God. That that is a very fearful realization to come to. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and the Bible makes us to understand that we, when we stand before God and we say, uh, in your name, I cast out demons. In your name, I heal the sick. In him, I did so many miraculous signs and wonders. And he says, get away from me. I know you not. It's a very, mm -hmm. it's a very uh, somber realization that if you are not carefully working with God and you consider the things that you do for God as validation of God for you over your life, or about your ministry, you may totally get it wrong. Mm. So God will still bless his people that you, you minister to <clears throat> because he loves them and he will still minister yeah. to them. But God blessing them is not God's validation of you. 
and we need to be very careful how we tread on these grounds. I think it's very, it's very insightful um, how these things work. Yeah. So that's something to take in that we should be more concerned about our relationship with God and our approval when it comes to God and not using our works or our service to God as a validation. Exactly. That's something that I have to think about myself. But I want us to pick up from where Beth Moon left off. He spoke about the fact that many people now can come up and say that they are God or they are Jesus Christ has come back or they are you know, special forces or whatever. But they may not have what it takes to prove it or they may not have the backing for it. And we know that all through this series, we know that the prophets have told about told these things the things that happened 2000 years ago we saw in the last episode that the davidic covenant pointed pointed to the fact that these things were okay but right now i want us to actually think about how jesus christ proved that he was the son of god and i think we can pick up from our quotables and sort of discuss that. Who remembers any, any of them? Or which one should we start? I think they are, they are quite interesting. Okay, so I think you can pick the first one that we just roll with it. So the first one, according to the blog post, was when the man who was ill had his friends bring him down, lower him down from the roof and, and bring him right in front of Jesus Christ. And instead of Jesus Christ healing him right away, he says, be of good courage. Your sins are forgiven. I think I really love that passage. The whole, the whole imagery is, is amazing. I think that his friends were very courageous and, and extremely caring. I think we should so what have do you think about we, should have, we should all have friends that will break roofs for us if if that's it. Yes. Went for yes. the went for better expression. Those are go the extra mile for us. But mm-hmm. I think I think the statement Jesus made was was very shocking and for a, a Jewish mind in first century Palestine it's groundbreaking because here's the thing there, there is an elaborate ritual sacrifice that must be done for sins to be forgiven. According to the Jewish law, you must do your sin offering, your burnt offering. On the day of atonement, you have to go and do your um, uh, the, the atoning sacrifice by the high priest, all, all of these things. And this man is on a stretcher, on a sick bed. They bring him to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him in a view of all the religious leaders and says that your sins are forgiven you. Who else can forgive sins but the one against whom sin is committed? And all the sin in the world is committed against God. And that's a statement that we must all think about deeply. You can Mm -hmm. commit a sin against your friend but in the long run, that sin is committed against God. And yeah. Jesus Christ looks at this man and says that, I know that sin is what has brought about all the sicknesses and evil and the conditions that we have in this world. This is not for us to make a doctrine to say that whenever somebody is sick, it is because the person has sinned because mm-hmm. the, the scripture is not always that way there was a time in john chapter 9 where a blind person was on his way met jesus and they asked jesus who sinned that this man was born blind and jesus yeah jesus corrected that thinking that this for this particular issue it is not a sin issue it is so that the glory of god will be revealed but for mm-hmm. this man's issue jesus has located the root cause of the issue to be sin and because he is god the one against whom sin is committed he has the power in him to forgive and the moment mm-hmm. jesus said that your sins are forgiving you the religious minds in the room went haywire they were like who is this man how dare you say somebody's sins are forgiven do you know who yeah. forgives sin 
and Jesus Christ reading their thoughts and reading their minds, ask them a basic question. Let's think about it. Which one is easier to say? That you should rise up and walk or your sins are forgiven you? The, the question itself is one for them to think about. How many people have you seen that can speak to lame legs and give strength to them? Not by doing anything, yeah. just speaking to lame legs and giving strength to them. If that is not an easy fit, then you should know that if I am saying that he should, his sins are forgiven him and he has risen and he's walking, then he should tell you that I am no mere ordinary person. Mm-hmm. 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 So I, I think I think that's that's it. That's so to anything. I'm I'm just uh, in all of um, the things you are speaking about because I I really don't know what to add. <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting because Jesus's claims are such that they they are they are absolute in nature, and you cannot, as you rightly put it, for the Jewish mind at that time, you cannot mistake that statement to mean any other thing. Yeah. understand it is not it is not uh, a riddle it is not jesus we know he often uh spoke to uh, the people in parables and in stories but when it comes to these kinds of statements where he where he claims to be god right they are so clear and unequivocal like there's no confusion about what he's saying for the jewish man at the time you cannot understand it any other way but that mm-hmm. Jesus Christ was claiming to be God, all right, and 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 yeah. and, and, in, and in those and in doing those things, he was um, telling them that guys, see, there's nobody else like me. I'm the only one saying mm-hmm. these things. And if you if you if you look back critically and analyze a few things, probably you begin to see the light and agree with me. Mm-hmm. And for me, while you guys were speaking, I was I was just picturing the scene and how. Jesus Christ is just shaking tables. That this man from Bethlehem is just, <laughs> I'm just imagining the, the anger of the Jewish people building up every single time. First of all, you said that you are you and your father, you are one. You said that you've called God your father. And now you are saying that a man's sins are forgiven. Like, who, who are you? I mean, this sounds like I'm in awe, but I don't think they were in awe. They were probably very, 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 very angry. And, and, and now the, funny thing, is, the funny thing is, that particular question occurs most often in the Gospels. Everyone keeps asking the same question about Jesus. Who is he? What manner of man is this? What authority has been given to him? How does he do the things he's doing? He keeps everyone asking the same questions because any person who pays a close attention to Jesus back then and even in the scripture, you can't help but to walk away feeling that this guy is not human. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely an alien. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like us, but he's not one of us. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting that they kept asking, but very few of them actually waited for the answer and believed the answer. You know, and that's, I, a, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, and and the same the same thing happens now. The people are still asking, who is this person that these Christians believe in, and what's this power that they claim to have? And we really hope that if you're one of those people and you're listening to this that you stay to the end and actually discover what the answer is and hopefully believe in it so let's move on to the next the next thing he did so that the next the next act that we see in the blog post seems very common and well at first glance it doesn't it doesn't look like it should be added to the post that's when jesus christ changed Peter's name from Simon to Peter. So from this act of name change, how does that, how does this act prove that Jesus Christ is the son of God? 
because it seems like a rather random act. I mean, I can change every, anybody's name. Well, how does that prove that I'm God? Well, um, as I think, I think uh, as I mentioned earlier on, in the things that Jesus, is, Jesus did, right, um, mm-hmm. especially the things that, that directed people to his, his deity, was so exclusive and that nobody else could do the things he was doing except that they were God. And so you would find Jesus Christ doing things like renaming people, an activity that the Jewish people at the time considered to be sacred and that they, the names were, were given to people by God through their parents. And that if there was going to be a name change, it was God that was going to do that name change. And so we see later in the Bible where God interacts with various uh, people and he wants to do a particular work with them. He changes their name. So we see Abraham, uh, the father of faith, his, uh, his name previously was Abraham. God changes to Abraham. Uh, his wife's name was um, Sarai. God changes to Sarah. We see again Jacob being changed to Israel. And so we, they, they have this history um, with them. And they see that um, in, in, in changing names, God is the one that does that change. And so here comes Jesus Christ and he does uh, something similar with, with, with Peter, changes his name from Simon to Peter. And I mean, on the surface to us, it looks like something that is very, very mundane, very common. But to them, they are like, who is this guy who is going about changing people's names? Only God can change names. You understand? And so yeah. you are not a parent to Peter. You are not <laughs> even related in any way. <laughs> so you cannot <laughs> even claim that you have received a name change from God to give to Peter. So if you are going to change somebody's name directly, okay, then you must be God. And that is what Jesus Christ, the kind of shock he sends across the people when he does these kinds of exclusive things that can only be God, right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, um, it does seem mundane, it does seem common, but it is very uh, significant in 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 in, in its uh, in the in the thing that it it accomplishes and points to the fact that Jesus Christ is the one he says is that he is God. Hmm. Interesting. Well, thank you very much for that. But that's not the last act we talk about in the posts. The next one is, it's almost like a personal favorite where we have a, a whole movie, a blue man kind of scene where Jesus Christ, the one that's been shaking tables all through scripture, is now walking on water. Walking on water like it was dry ground. And it's interesting because he doesn't do it like the like the Israelites did, as in working on splitting the water in two and walking on dry ground, or how um, Elijah and then Elisha did. He actually walks on the water, not just still water, but water that is is troubled. The water is there's a lot of storm on the sea, but he actually walks on water. That's epic. But how does that? prove that he's the son of God and not uh, a magician okay so um, back to the whole context of Jesus Christ so Jesus Christ mm-hmm. is contexted in the Jewish culture right yeah Jesus is walking on water he is there's a raging storm he shows the ability to calm the storm and to walk on the surface of the water that means he has ability to control the elements mm-hmm. for for the people of Jesus's day only one person had that power because prior to this even in John chapter 2 Jesus had turned water into wine still showing yeah. his power over the elements it is God who has power over the elements it is God that can turn the water of the Egyptians into blood like chemical mm-hmm. morphology changing the forms he can he can part the the red sea for people to cross he can mm-hmm. sp- he can bring down fire from heaven so if we see an individual that has the ability to control elements 
the way we know God only to control the elements, what that that led to the questions the, the disciples asked at the end of the day. They're like, what manner of man is this that even mm-hmm. the winds and the element obey him? Mm-hmm. It's it's as it's as though one of the in 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 um one of the uh, gospel accounts where they were in the boat and Jesus got up and screamed at the ocean, peace be still, and screamed at the sea and said, peace be still. The, the original language in the Greek, the way the wording is rendered, it is as though a man is speaking to his puppy or to his, mm-hmm. dog, his dog. And that is the power and the control Jesus has over the elements. And and that can only be done by the one who made those things. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. so when they ask what manner of man is this, they have come to the realization that see, I, I don't know, but in my short years of living, I I know we used to do these things as as children. Like okay, maybe me, I'm the weird one here, but um. Sometimes <laughs> uh, those days when my dad is driving and I'm in the back seat and it's raining. And maybe, you know, those weird things where maybe your car is driving so fast that maybe you are just a little out of the rain zone, right? And you are, so I'm speaking to the rain to stop from behind us, but the rain seems like it's following me, right? I know that I don't have the, and I, I would always get surprised when at a certain point, when I say rain, stop following us, it stops. Not because, <laughs> not because, um, I have the power to control it, but I had left that climate and I'd moved to a different zone. So the rain wasn't switching over into that zone. But I would feel I would feel good about myself thinking that I had some power over the rain, right? Yeah. But for these guys, they realize that it's, this is not wishful thinking. The guy actually has power over these things. And they, mm-hmm. they know from their human experience. And I know personally from my human experience that no human being has the power to control the weather except you are in a movie and you are stormed from x-men <laughs> <laughs> interesting yeah i totally understand that and and beth yes your childhood was quite weird i did not do that <laughs> i had a very normal childhood but wow. <laughs> just oh, like I that have I have a similar experience. Okay, so Marvel, uh, you had a weird one. No, if, you can if, have two weird people. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, so but quick, I mean, quickly, like, uh, I remember some time ago, uh, we we're, were praying with a couple of friends um, on this park, and after, whilst we were praying, it seemed to be raining, drizzling, right? Not really heavy rain, but it was just drizzling. But for some weird, we were so engrossed in the, the prayer meeting that um, we didn't even realize that where we were standing, um, in fact, the rain was not even going to cause us to leave where we were, but uh, it was only after we finished praying and we began to walk home that we realized that it had rained everywhere except where we were standing and praying. Mm, so by and and, and, and you mm. can imagine the kind of booster it gave us knowing that Charlie, whatever we have prayed about today it has really entered hey. you know the last real uh, <laughs> <I'm telling you>. <laughs> <laughs> and and so we know we we knew so we took that sign to be some form of validation from god that he had mm-hmm. heard us and that he has answered our prayer and uh, as Bertman rightly said we know deep within our hearts that these are things that are beyond us these are things that yeah. are beyond our capabilities, right? We cannot possibly control the elements, no matter how much we wish to, okay? Mm-hmm. And so for a man like us to do those things and not do it struggling, do it with ease, oh, it's, it's, it's a sight to behold. And it raises a lot of questions. Who really is this man? Is he a man just like us? Or is he from somewhere else that we don't know? Hmm. What man of man is this? Yeah. Exactly. And that's the question that we are throwing to you listening to us. What manner of man is this? Who do you say Jesus Christ is? 
just take some time and think about it. Because trust me, once you get the answer right, it changes every single thing about you and about your life now and about your eternity. So for both of us, Beth and Soto, now that we, we've established who Jesus Christ is, why is it important? Because I've interacted with a couple of Christians and realized that not everyone knows or understands that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I mean, when you ask people who Jesus Christ is, they can say, oh, he came to die for us. He's someone that came to die for us. I've actually heard someone say that Jesus Christ is wind. I don't know how, I don't know where he got that from. <laughs> but why is it important for us to believe that Jesus, believe in the deity of Jesus Christ? Why can't we just believe that he came to die and set us free? Why do we have to understand that he is God himself that came to die for us? Why is it important? Okay, so the um, let me go two routes here, two routes here. So the first route is those who say that, so that I, I understand where you're coming from. There are people who believe that Jesus Christ was a good man. He was a good moral teacher. Hey, I, I kind of like his teachings. I'll follow him, but I really don't yeah. think he's God. Could he? Like a human being cannot really be God. But mm-hmm. um, um, I'll, I'll make use of... The, uh, um, a trilemma that C.S. Lewis comes up with. So it's called the Lord, liar, or lunatic trilemma, right? So it's it's this. Did Jesus know he will? So if Jesus Christ is saying he is God and he is not God, it's either he knows he is not God or he thinks he is God. Are you following so far? Yeah. Okay. So if Jesus Christ is saying he is God and he thinks he is God, but he's not God, then he's a lunatic. Mm-hmm. Right. If Jesus Christ is saying he is God, but he is not God, then he's a liar. Mm-hmm. But if Jesus Christ is saying he is Lord and he believes he is Lord and he truly is Lord, then he is Lord. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. So the case is Jesus is either a liar, Lord, or he's lunatic. But when we look at Jesus's lifestyle, his psychological profile is not consistent with anybody who can be diagnosed as a lunatic right Mm -hmm. lunatics when you are close to lunatics you feel sorry for them when people were close to jesus they wanted to be like him they felt empowered by him they didn't feel sad for him they didn't feel like he was less than them usually when you're with somebody who is mentally impaired you feel sorry for them because you feel like they are less than capable right secondly jesus is not proven to be a liar so if the first two options are removed the only thing that is remaining is that he is Lord. Then why is it important? I, I just had to bring that in because of the, the way you started the question. But then why mm-hmm. is it important that Jesus Christ is Lord? Right? If Jesus Christ mm-hmm. is just a mere man, his sacrifice is not effective. His death on the cross is not effective to pay for the sins of the entire human race it is only as God that he can forgive the sins of the entire human race and we must remember who else can forgive sins but God Mm -hmm. so it takes us back to that question Jesus Christ if Jesus Christ is not God then our sins are not really forgiven yeah and this is why it's important because his being God is at the bedrock of Christianity Mm -hmm. so do you want to touch up yeah and I I wanted to just add that um, it was important for Jesus um, uh, to be God um, and to die for our sins in the sense that um, up until that point there was no one who had of their own ability and their own decision laid down their lives and take me back up again, right? Jesus Christ was the one who made that statement and said that I lay my life down and I take it back up again, all right? Yeah. He, dying, he dying on the cross uh, for our sins was paying the penalty of our sins, right? 
but his resurrection is what gives us life. Okay, and so he had to resurrect. And in his resurrection, we find um, the life, the new life that we find in God. And it's only God that can resurrect himself. Up mm-hmm. until then, we have, we have seen resurrections happen. And so, so somebody could say Lazarus was resurrected. But Lazarus was not, did not resurrect of his own accord. And he died again. He was resurrected. And of course, he died, <laughs> he died again. <laughs> All right. And everybody else who, who, who resurrected, even the, 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 the dead man who uh, got resurrected by Elisha's bones, he died again. The the, yeah. the 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 young lad who who died and whose mom was crying and met Jesus on the way, right? Yeah, we don't and have back to life. Yes, also died again. But Jesus Christ is the only individual who died, was not raised by anybody, but resurrected, and is still alive, and he lives mm. forever. And it is in this eternal life that we have our life. So if Christ did not resurrect from the dead, okay it would have been futile because mm. God is restoring us onto eternal life. We, if we are going to, he's reconciling us onto himself again and God is eternal. So if he's reconciling us onto himself, we must become essentially eternal for yeah. that reconciliation to work. Okay. And mm. so it was important for Jesus Christ to be God so that these elements would come into play and work out the way they did. So it was very, very important. Two more things. Okay. Um, I'll make a statement from scripture, then I'll end with a quote from Paul Enns. Okay. So um, in Hebrews chapter 10, we are told that, we are reminded that the Old Testament had a sacrificial system that was supposed to deal with sin. Okay. But the problem with that sacrificial system was that it didn't deal permanently with the sin. It was sort of like a year-on-year subscription, right? So every year mm-hmm. you have to renew your subscription, right? And Netflix uses, how are we? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and, and that was how it worked in the Old Testament. So there's your normal sin offering. When you are brought into knowledge of your sin, then on the Day of Atonement, there is the sin of the nation, right? It's a year-on-year affair. But the Bible tells us that because it did not solve the problem completely, the people who offered the sacrifices came every year to do it but because jesus christ is god his sacrifice now has eternal permanent value and that is why this is for the young believers out there we don't keep giving our life to christ once is enough he asks you Mm -hmm. right if you've given yourself to jesus christ and submitted to his rule and to his reign over your life he's got you covered and, and, and that being said, let me uh, read a quote from Paul Enns. We, uh, this quote is featured in our, our blog post. It says, at the heart, an attack on the deity of Jesus Christ is an attack on the bedrock of Christianity. So this is for those who say that Jesus, Christians who say that Jesus Christ is good, but he is not God, then whatever form you have is not Christianity. Because at the heart of Christianity is the deity of Jesus Christ. At the heart of orthodox belief is the recognition that Jesus died a substitutionary death to provide salvation for a lost humanity. If Jesus were only a man, he could not have died to save the world. But because of his deity, his death has infinite value, whereby he could die for the entire world. So this is why Jesus had to be God. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, in in, in essence, his his death caters for uh, generations not yet born. Exactly. Fact, Since past, present, future. Past. Wow. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, and and I guess before he tackled what I was going to ask. And that was why his resurrection is important. And I think in First Corinthians, Paul says, First Corinthians 15, Paul says that if Christ is resurrected, then we've wasted our lives and our preaching is useless. And for me, that's, that's 
very it, it tells a lot about how important his resurrection is and when it comes to his deity I, I see it this way that here's a man who is promising us that if we follow him he'll give us eternal life he will give us life itself and if he is not God then there's no way he's going to give us this eternal life that we're all proclaiming and so he has to be God for the for the whole promise to come to pass the reason we are seeing we are Christians that if you believe in Christ you have eternal life and let me piggyback he, on what if, you just said go ahead so he has promised us eternal life but mm-hmm. how can an individual give us life if he cannot defeat the enemy of death yeah so that is also how, how important the resurrection is true because it shows yeah. his defeat of death. So when he promises to give us life, we can hold firm to that promise because he has gone into the great abyss and has come out victorious. Woohoo! Way to go. Way to go, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but true, yeah. but true, true. And I just love the fact that the Bible is teeming with evidence. You know, because we're not just saying, hey, there's someone called Jesus Christ, believe in him. And then you ask why and we're just saying, just believe in him. Not at all. There's, there's solid proof. You can reason it out. You can think about it. By the end of the day, you can take it all in. You've understood what the gospel is. You've appreciated that it's God's remedy and, and that this remedy was foretold by prophets. You understand that this remedy was to be the royal seed of David. And today we see that this remedy is the son of God in power and Jesus Christ himself. So after thinking about his reason it out, you need to apply your heart to it. And that's why we want to end right here with our concluding remarks. Beth Monsoto, what now? What's, what do we do now with all the reasoning we've done all through these episodes our final episode of gospel series what now what now okay so let's go yeah i'd like to just uh as as we 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 say not talk too much but just quote what we have in the blog post that says that today we present to you jesus christ the Mm -hmm. promised seed of the woman the hope of the prophets the royal seed of david and the son of God in power. We hope that um, throughout this series, you have, you have clearly seen um, who this man Jesus is and how the Bible presents him to us. And our belief and our, and, and our hope is that uh, you would have received enough evidence that indeed Jesus Christ came onto this earth, onto this earth to live and then to die for our sins. And he's resurrected and he's giving us life through his resurrection. And all that he asks us to do is to offer our lives to him so that we can have eternal life. And so we are just hoping and praying with you that you would take the right step and offer your life to Christ. Amen. 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 I'll, just, I'll just read a scripture from Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Go ahead. Paul, Paul is speaking at Athens in the Areopagus, and he utters these words. He says, the times of ignorance, so I want to speak to our listener, the time of your ignorance, God has overlooked. But now he commands all people from everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. God, Jesus Christ, is God's man. And he is the only way to escape the coming judgment. Surrender Mm -hmm. to him and give your life to him. Amen. 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 And I feel like this is a wonderful way to conclude the gospel series. It It has been amazing. We've learned a whole lot, and I'm sure you've learned, you've learned a lot as well. We really do hope that you don't just keep this in your mind or keep this on your phone, but you would 
you reflect on it. And if you already know Jesus Christ as Lord, that you take a bold step to want to know him better and preach him to other people. And if you don't know him, like we've been saying from the beginning, that you would accept him as Lord because he is. All right. So next time you hear from us, we'll be diving into a whole new series and I'm excited about that. So till then, keep being a disciple of God. Connect with us. Talk to us. Write to us. We're ready to listen to you. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Between the Lines by The Timothy Project. The Timothy Project is a crowdfunded discipleship ministry that seeks to train and disciple young believers, presenting them perfect to Christ. What we do here is made possible by your generous gifts and donations. If you've been blessed and seek to support us, you can find our giving options in the description below. Keep tabs on our website for exciting blog posts. You can also interact with us on our social media handles in the description below. The Timothy Project, presenting every man perfect.